Welcome back to the Weekly Dish. We have Tara holding on the line who held over from the break for the Stephanies. Thank you, Tara. What can we help you with today? Yes, um, my daughter recently got engaged. So we're having an engagement party tonight, um, kind of a last-minute sure. thing. And it's going to be a party of eight, and we're going to meet. We want to meet in the middle of, um, I live in Stillwater. The in-laws live in Bloomington. So there's going to be eight of us. And I was wondering, we were thinking about cassettas, but we thought that's going to be a little too, we won't be able to get a table do you think or? i got a place for you wait tonight okay. you're trying to do this yeah oh yeah okay, okay. it's going to be a little bit farther for your bloomington people but i think we just were talking about birches in lower town i think oh, that yeah. would, it would be a great it's in the market uh collaborative which is across the market house market house across from uh the st paul farmer's market and it's a brewery but they also have cocktails they have good food. It's relaxed. It's comfortable. They have like big picnic big, type tables, tables and huge. you would really just have a great time there. Okay. What's the name of it again? Birches Lower Town. Oh, Birches. You were just talking about that. Yeah. Right? Okay. That sounds good. All right. I'm going to actually, okay. thanks. Uh, thanks, Tara. I'm going to start out yep. my top two because I have the Birches Lower Town burger as one of my top two today. So let's hear the top two sounder, <laughs> Hopi. <laughs> So the cat's out of the bag. Uh, I must be the last one to the Birch's Lower Town Burger Party. I think you are. <laughs> everybody was like, oh, yeah, you need to have this burger. It's amazing. Did Rick Nelson say it was like one of the best burgers that he's had or the top five? I don't know. Anyway, I had it yesterday. It was real good. I loved the bun. It's that salty tart Michelle Geyer, her brioche bun. Yeah. And the meat was really juicy and flavorful, and it had kind of a Thousand Islandy sauce on it. It was a really nice burger. I am excited to go back and have it with my husband because, you know, he's a connoisseur. And when I told him last night about it, he was like, oh, yeah, let's go there this weekend. <laughs> it doesn't take him long it to find a new no. burger. No, nope. he's excited about it. So that is my top two. Uh, Birch's Lower Town Burger. Yep. Okay. My first one is actually kind of funny because this is something that is an old thing that I learned a long time ago. And I don't remember who I learned it from, but I haven't done it. It's called chicken bread. Mm. Are you ready for this? Yes. Uh, chicken bread is, whoops, I clicked the wrong thing. Um, oh, I messed up some stuff on my links. I'll find it. Um, chicken bread is where you take a roast chicken. Okay. And in, and what you do is you're going to roast the chicken kids in the actual oven, not the Instant Pot, because sometimes the Instant Pot is magic. It Mostly the Instant Pot is magical, but the oven is also awesome. And this is the only way that this will work. Okay. Is if you take, you line your, your pan that you're going to roast your chicken in with sourdough bread. Then you put your roasted chicken on top, or you put your chicken, your raw chicken on top of it, and you roast it. Basically what happens is all the good juices that is roasting goes into the bread, and it gets all crispy, and it gets caramelized on the bottom, and it becomes this amazing toast, basically. And it's called chicken bread. That sounds so really easy. good. And I can't remember who taught it to me a long time ago, but it's on the Epicurious, you know, that popped up there and they're like, chicken bread is everything. And I was like, oh my God, I forgot about that. Well, in the Zuni cookbook in the 80s, this is like their famous recipe. They have sourdough croutons yeah. that they toss with like mushrooms and potatoes and they put that with the chicken. Yeah. And then all that juice and fat gets soaked up in the crouton. Same kind of thing. Yeah. And, the, and this is the kind of idea with this bread, like you can chop it up. Like once it's out and done, you can chop it up and make croutons and put it into a salad you can just eat it 
To me, Yum. this was back to the ghost of the back to that Allison Roman idea of doing one thing and then setting things out on the table for your dinner parties instead of like making six dishes is maybe make this roast chicken and you have the bread on the bottom. Then you cut that up and you kind of sit out and you put a head of lettuce and people can make wraps. They can make a sandwich. They can do whatever they want with it. Do you must have had that conversation with Elizabeth Reese? Because it sounds oh, like a good conversation that I wasn't participating in and yeah. I'm a little jealous <laughs> whenever she fills in when I'm gone. I, or Meredith too. I'm like, oh, I know they're talking about the good stuff. Yeah, I listened to the podcast. And Did you? You're great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just glad you listened to it so that like we can. I don't have to like review things. Yeah. You know what I mean, like so that we're all on the same page. Yes, I like that. And you have some great um, podcast episodes too for Second Helpings. Oh yeah. Um, every Wednesday about about we're posting uh, extra content. Part of it is my fault for not getting it up in time. That's okay. That's it's right. there. Uh, so if you guys aren't subscribing to Weekly Dish uh, at Podcast One, you really should because you get extra content that is not on the show. Uh, my second top two in hour two is a place I was last night. I I know I've mentioned this before, but come on, it's been eleven years. Maybe we've said something twice. Stewart's in St. Paul's kimchi fries. Yes. These are French fries that come with, what is the seasoning on them? Like, it's like a kimchi seasoning. It's like a gochujang. It's just like an Asian yummy seasoning. And then they're served with like a hoisin and then a ranch. Oh. And they are just delicious, perfectly cooked. I love those. Yeah, they are so good. It's the kimchi fries at Stewart's. While you're there too, don't miss out on the Brussels sprouts. They have an awesome fish fry. They have Korean fried chicken on the menu right now that is real, real good. Good. I was there last night and everything I ate was awesome. You were psyched. Um, So I want to let you know, so my second one in top two in hour two is something that I kind of found that I didn't, it's it's been around and I don't know if we've talked about it or not, but um, it's called Basically. And it is a subsite from Bon Appetit. And so what they're doing, and I thought about it for the weekly dish because I thought that uh, there was a, there was an art, there was a, I found it because I was looking up, um, uh, carbonara recipes. Okay. Because that's always, I was thinking about Elizabeth Reese, who she always talks about her carbonara, but I was thinking about some other ways of doing it. And Alison Roman, again, has a winter squash carbonara that is dairy free. And so she doesn't use cream and there's even no egg. She uses the, the, the squash. squash to make the silky sauce. Um, so I was just, I've been researching some of these things and, but I found this and basically is off of it's, I found it through the Instagram, but it's a newsletter. And so it's not like its own site. It sort of lives as a subsite on Bon Appetit. But what I think about it is that for a lot of people who are looking for basic ways to get to be a better cook, it's about, it's not about healthiness. It's not about extravagance or elevation. It's learning some basics and learning uh, how to be a better cook, kind of like leveling up your game. Like, obviously, a winter squash carbonara might be a little bit above, you know, what some people are used to cooking. Yeah. But they also break down things like when making a vinaigrette, stored in a jar in your fridge and shake, shake, shake. When you want to use it again, it will just re-emulsify. You know, things like little tips and tricks. And I think it's really about kind of taking what people are calling those hacks, those life hacks, but really breaking them down and sort of simply making you a better cook. It's funny that you mentioned this because I just became aware that they have another subsite called Healthy-ish. Yeah, Healthy-ish. And the Bon Appetit feature this month is all about Healthy-ish. Yeah. They've had this subsite for two years. I have no idea. We've talked about this. Remember they had the meal plan? The Healthy-ish meal plan? See, again, it's January when I think maybe you weren't here. (laughs) Okay. And the beauty of me is we could have talked about something 10 times and it feels new and fresh every time. Yep. 
Um, yeah, healthy-ish when they, because they've been doing this, like, because I, what I like about them is that they don't do, cut all this out, you know, for our big thing of, you know, add to your life, don't take away from it. Yeah. Their big thing is, uh, saying that you don't have to, like, if you want to get healthier, here's a way to move left, you know, and here's some things to add to your life to make that transition possible. And they actually have like a 30 day meal plan that comes out always in January for people who commit right away. I like it. Here's just 30 days of eating better, you know, and here's how you do it. How are you doing on, you didn't have any resolutions. You had to add more. Yeah. I'm always about adding more. You're, so you're feeling like you're good. Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like I always correct, you know, as Mm -hmm. it goes, as far as the, uh, the way that the eating happens from, you know, it's the same thing as like my heating bill in December is ridiculous because my gas bill, because I'm cooking so much and then it kind of, so then you adjust and you go down and you don't, you know, maybe it's different and whatever. But I, uh, yeah, I think that just the, just literally not having like a cocktail party every week to go to and, you know, helps. Yeah. And celebrating <laughs> with all the cheese, with all the cheese and all the, uh, all the chocolates. Yeah. I'm helps, good. Helps you. Yeah. I'm good. All right. We are going to go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have a maker segment with one of our favorite local chefs, moms. When we come back, you're a maker. You're a hero. It's time for the Maker's Moment. A visit with one of Minnesota's many creators, artisans, and entrepreneurs who make the Twin Cities such a cool food scene. I make things. You're a genius. Make it. For more stories like this, check out Stephanie Hansen's podcast, Makers of Minnesota, on Podcast One or wherever you find your podcasts. some people that are making it here today we are here with kate meyer and trent taher and you guys are making craft made aprons and if you have been in any of the restaurants around town recently really because you guys are everywhere and you've noticed the little state of minnesota with the ba in it on the chef's apron or on any of the service industry folks that is your company. How exciting, you guys. Yeah, thank you. Kate, We're make really sure you excited. talk into your microphone okay. <laughs> so I want people to hear you. Yeah. Um, you are, I have to say, too, you're Corey Meyer's mom. I'm Corey Meyer's mom. And I'm Blake Meyer's mom. <laughs> I know you have two other kids. I like Corey so much. He is so um, the chef over at Create Caters, and I recommend him all the time. That's so good to hear. Oh, he has had some, we've had some really epic meals there. He's great. Energy-wise, he's like ready. He's in the game. It's fun. It's yeah, fun. he's great. It's really fun. And Trent, your family's been in the restaurant uh, industry, food service industry for a long time, too. What, so what was your background that all of a sudden you just started like, hey, I'm going to make these aprons? There was no real background around it. It was like, my sons were like, hey, mom, we don't want to spend a lot of money on something that we know we're going to kind of destroy and that don't function well. So they're like, what can we do to make it so we feel good in it and it's affordable and that the fabrics are going to be awesome. So I just kind of was just a vehicle for what they needed. That's all that Kind of was. So did you sew? How did they I've know? I've sewn like my whole life. Okay. So they knew you could, could oh, be yeah, capable yeah. of making them For something. Sure. Absolutely. And it's kind of thinking outside the box too and taking their input. It's like, I don't wear them. So it's like, tell me what you need and I'm going to see what I can do to make it better. So just little details, like let's put leather on here. I did that because they put a phone in your pocket. You bend over, that's going to fall out. So the leather at that point was put there to help keep the phone. To hold it in. in. Yep. Just a little detail. Well, then it started being a cool look. So that's where the logo came in. It's like, hey, let's like make it look like it's something for your friends. Like we're doing something cool. 
identify each other. So it was kind of neat. That's how it all just started was really tiny like that. We're just like, I'm making stuff for my kids and then a couple of their friends. And so now I have like tons of kids friends in my little neck. Yeah, because like I, we were at In Bloom and Thomas mm-hmm. Famer was wearing one of your aprons. Yeah. And I said I was going to be interviewing you. And he was like, oh, and he was showing me like where he puts his meat thermometer and then he needed yes. a place for a pen. Mm-hmm. And you had created all these details for his particular apron. Mm-hmm. Are you doing all custom work or are you taking all of these apron ideas and then offering different varieties for whatever the need would be? So it's a good question. We're doing, I've, what I like to do is, well, I'm working with even like Anders, Anderson from Fish Guys. He goes, Kate, I don't have anything that really works for me. Well, that's maybe waterproof and I want a little place for my carabiner so I can put on my shucker. So I want to be able to take in what they have to say. Let's build that and see if we can like make more than just one because there are more people than just the one person that's like finding this useful. And that's kind of why we've been kind of, there's a lot of excitement around what we're doing because I want to hear what you have to say. I'll put into what already seems to be a pretty awesome product. We do that cross back. So we've been having a lot of people excited. My neck's not hurting anymore. I didn't even realize how bad my neck was hurting at work right. because of that neck strap. Yeah. What she's saying is a traditional apron like goes over your head and there's the one strap. Her style is a cross back. If you can imagine like a bathing suit, I guess, where you put each arm in and it just distributes the weight differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was, I've had several people that have like, I've been in the industry 40 years. I have chronic neck, shoulder issues, so let's make something that's easier for me. And that's why I've done this. Now we're working with this little clip on the side so you don't have to, maybe you're not wanting to reach around and tie in the front because you've been working so long in this industry that you don't want to deal with anymore. So you have this little clip. You adjust it. It fits you. It's on one time. Boom, you're set. You can go to work and you feel comfortable. It's it's comfort has been a huge thing and functionality has been really huge. We are always ready to like make new changes if we need to. I want to hear what else you have to say. Let's improve. Always improvements exciting for us. We want to do that. And you would think like, okay, so Mr. Shucker Fishman, there's mm-hmm. a million Mr. Shucker Fishmans around the world and around the country. So if you can get like, you know, however many models that meet the needs of that particular type of employee and what they need to do, there's other people like them. And also like food service, like waiters and waitresses. We've got so many ideas for those things. And that's kind of where we keep growing. And our our problem has really been finding enough people to help us build the things that we want to. The sewers? Sewers. Yeah. It's been huge. And then we have so, yeah, so many (laughs) ideas that we have. And it's not just... um, your chefs and cooks, it's, it, it is servers, bartenders, and it's that excitement around them. Hey, my survey, server apron, it's awesome. I love it. I'm really excited about it. And those details I want to hear more about, too. I want to make those better. It's just kind of ex- make it work for you. So is this your full-time job, or do you have another job that pays your bills and you're just launching this? This has been my full-time job for a year. Like, constant. She sews a lot. This has been it. it. I just, and I, it's not that I'm uh, exhausted, you know, can't function well, but it's been a year of at least 12 hour days just because I'm excited. It's exciting every day. I can hear that. It's exciting. Yeah. Very passionate. Do you want to tell us what the BA stands for? Because that's important. Yeah. So BA, we were going to first. Bad attitude. (laughs) Badass. I I don't know. It's kind of cool that people don't always know exactly what it is. But um, I was going, my maiden name is Bourbon. So I was first thinking, let's just call this Bourbon Apron. It's not spelled 
as bourbon. So I just thought, you know, that'll be confusing. But I'm still going to put that BA on there and make it kind of interesting for people. It's a little, you know, question. Yeah, <laughs> a little that? detail. Kind it of open is. for interpretation. That's it? right. Yeah. Now, you as a food service person, Trent, are you the person that's helping like, okay, now we, we know that these designs are welcomed and people are excited about them. Like, let's try and scale it. No, I think for, for, for me and for us, when we started, it was more of like, let's just start to build some of the little pieces to be able to create more opportunities. Like, for example... Um, you know, having an a filing the business, but really being able to um, put some structure behind um, making more and saying like a smaller amounts. But uh, we've we've been trying to scale and create some of those opportunities, but most of it is just really kind of creating the structure for a business and then building some strategy where to put our energy. Yeah. Um, you know, because a lot like finance, if stuff. you're a sewer, I'm assuming you're kind of a creative person. Yeah. And this is maybe not a fair thing to say, but a lot of times creative people aren't also business savvy mind exactly. people. You don't get both of that left brain and right brain in one brain. We're in kind some people. of that. We are a whole brain. The two of us. Together. Yeah. It's amazing. So you we call ourselves a, a two person volleyball team. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's a real I love that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's, there's no doubt that our strengths and weaknesses complement each other. And uh, Kate's incredibly creative and uh, does a wonderful, is very good at looking at people, sizing them up, and then being able to identify what will fit them well. Because so, one of the things within a lot of the custom stuff she's been doing, like using Thomas as an example, his body structure is not just, it's, it's different than yeah, everyone else's. Yeah, he's a big man. So, and a lot of what Kate does is she'll size somebody up and determine what will help you fit, what will fit you well. So there's a lot of that custom ability uh, behind it. So she has that creativity piece, and I, you know, like you're thinking of it as a, a restaurant analogy, she really works a lot of the back of the house uh, kitchen activity, the creativity, and then I'm running a lot of the front, the front of, of the house activity. For home cooks, like you had a pop up, uh, you were in Rose and Loon. Are you still in Rose and Loon? We are in Rose and Loon. Actually, we do their uniforms mm-hmm. for okay. all their stuff. Mm-hmm. So our the lady that owns this radio station actually came to Rose uh, Rosedale when we were out there doing a live broadcast, and she bought one of your aprons, and she was so excited to show it to me. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so it's for home cooks too. It's not yeah. just like, no. It is. It's anybody, but. That's we want to come up with. Uh, I have a fabric that's Nomex, so it's it's kind of supposed to be like fire retardant. We want to make something like that. Wouldn't that be awesome for somebody grilling? You, it's kind of it's supposed to be uh, protect you from heat and stuff. I mean, it's an amazing fabric. We have that fabric. It's sitting there. It's waiting. We have the plan and the idea of what we want to do. It's just having getting them the, built. The yeah, to do it. But so that would be awesome for like your grilling person, somebody that's standing in front of a grill. We've already been testing that fabric at in uh chef in, in Bloom. He's been wearing it for me. Mm-hmm. How does it feel in front of the fire? So we're trying to think about let's test these on people. And the excitement has been amazing and we've had we have chefs that come in from out of state that are like, "Hey, let's can you do my full restaurant?" So we're kind of working on some we have some really cool, cool products, things yeah. that we're working on. So I think we're kind of going to be sprouting up in all kinds of places yeah. because of the excitement around it, and I love that. I love that people are pumped about what we're doing. We're There's- talking with Kate Meyer and Trent Taher about Craftmade Aprons and their company. You can find them at Rose and Loon. Rose also, and Loon, Lowry at, Hill Meats. Yep, and your website is also craftmadeaprons.com. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and what I was going to say is one of the things that we're trying to keep it accessible but in the pricing so we keep it so everyone can afford it from... How much is like a basic apron for like a home cook? 
Anything on our website would range from fifty to sixty dollars. We don't have yeah. anything on there more than sixty dollars, which is the quality and the integrity behind what's in there. Relative, it's great to the and price. Minnesota made. Yeah, it's all done here in, the, in Minnesota. Actually, our tag comes from Wisconsin, but okay, that's well, it's close enough. That's we'll allow that. Okay, do you want to um, just give a quick plug for your sons because they're all in the restaurant business, oh, yeah, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. Yes. So we have Corey Meyer at Create Catering, which you guys know. Amazing. And um, Blake Meyer is at FICA. He's Swedish Institute. Uh, oh, yes. There. Making those delicious yes. um, glugs and the dill toast oh, the they have there. Yeah. Yep. And then Lucas uh, is at Kenwood. Okay. We just talked about that earlier. Oh, and the Swedish meatballs at FICA too. Yeah. Really, right? Yeah. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. So do you guys think quickly before I'd like, you know, Headley and Bennett was kind of the first people to do, I know, <laughs> to do these sort of like aprons that kind of set the tone did you and i know that a lot of people were a lot of you know restaurants that they had to order them to sort of make the mark but now it feels like it's really the ba aprons that well, people we, are yeah, kind of owning the crazy part is is that i haven't done research there's no intention to like we want to dominate a market all i want to do is help the people that are asking for our our product and that excites me i'm like so excited about that and let me help that happen yeah. There's no doubt too when we when when we get to brought up about various competition. Kate's like, no, I don't. I like, I just let me be me, and that's that's really what has been really good. That's a so good Minnesota get, you know, girl for you, right there. I'm just going to do what I do yeah. and hopefully be successful. <laughs> well, I love and then that. hopefully we'll see some other fun stuff. I mean, like I'm oh, excited to see what else we've comes. We've got next. really cool things. That some we're doing. really fun deals in the pipeline. You know, it's just like in the restaurant. You say yes, you smile. We're going to be able to figure this out, and then we go back and we and we make it happen in the end. Because really fun stuff ahead of us, which we're pretty. excited And if anyone's about. a sewer and you're interested, reach out because it sounds like they could use some help in the sewing department. Plenty yes. of opportunities. <laughs> All right. Yes. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for being here today. Thank, Thank you. you so Thanks, much. guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we are being joined in studio right now by a local author. And I want to tell you something quickly before I introduce her, because this is one of those books that you guys locally written, beautiful book that uh, I really want to recommend that you think about picking up right now. <laughs> it's called All the Wild Hungers. And the author is Karen Babine. And she's here with us in studio. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. You are uh, this this book, All the Wild Hungers, uh, put out by Milkweed Editions, just launched on Thursday. Thursday. I mean, it's brand new in the is world. Is this your first book ever? It is not. It's the second book. This is your second book. So yeah. the first one came out in 2015, uh, called uh, Water and What We Know, and what? that was uh, the roots of a northern life. The roots of a northern life. That makes me want to read it. You're well, you, <laughs> you, just the title. Yeah. Titles matter. Right. You have such a. Um, I'm trying to, this is a hard book to talk about because it's so immensely personal to you. Right. So let's preface what the book is yeah. about. This one, the, All the Wild Hungers is a book that you wrote when your mother, you found out your mother had cancer. Yep. And it's really this, And but your sister was pregnant and it's kind of this whole piece of life that sort of intertwines cooking. It's very weirdly intertwined because my mom's cancer uh, was very rare. Uh, it only shows up in kids under the age of 10. I was flummoxed. I had to totally Google that when Absolutely. I read Absolutely. And it was a uterine tumor. And it started off when her doctor asked her if she felt pregnant. And she was like, no. And she was how old? She 65. was 65. Yeah. And at that time, my sister announced that she was pregnant with uh, number three. And so there was a weird sort of pregnancy uh, theme sort of going through this. And, you know, showing up with things like, uh, you know, baby center and 
what vegetable is your kid this week? And and the cover yeah. is beautiful. Once you get yeah. even once you get a couple chapters in, you understand the cover better. But it, there's a cabbage, an apple, and a lemon, and that's this whole idea of comparing the size of your sister's fetus. You know, which yep. is you know we're always like, oh, it's the size of a lemon. Yep, that's right. And then your mother's tumor, yep. which is the size, size of, of a cabbage. The size of a cabbage. Yeah. which it was a three pound sixteen centimeter tumor. The yeah. book is like. It's hard for me to describe because it's so personal to you. It's so beautifully written. It's it's personal. It's heartbreaking, but it's inspiring. It's life affirming. It is like all of those things. And then it weaves through this thread of like nourishing and providing nourishment. There's a whole story about you just obsessing and making bone broth for your mom. Which is weird because I'm vegetarian. Yes. And so that's that's why that was funny in our <laughs> And house. you like dealing with the bones and feeling like what you could really provide in that moment. And maybe the only thing you could provide was a way to try to nourish your mom after she had done that for you for like, oh, it just, it's and Especially because done. in that instance, her bones were malfunctioning. She was neutropenic. Yeah. She didn't have any white blood cells after chemo. And so it was this sort of trying to replace what she had lost and the the other you know getting into um my nephew especially uh is also part of this because he had some health issues um and he was diagnosed with a growth hormone deficiency when he was about three which explained why he didn't grow right um (laughs) and he is also allergic to dairy and eggs and peanuts and so trying to cook for all of these different people in our family and we're all you know my sisters are in north minneapolis we're very close to each other and so you know family dinners became an act of creativity to feed everybody with things that they could actually eat and feeding the family to comfort because this is you know in essence and this is what we all do and we talk about this on the weekly dish all the time about nourishing your family and the re and putting the love into the cooking you do but i mean you had this whole other task of of sort of filling in the panic and the fear and and feeding instead with it and there's so i gotta tell you first of all karen's writing is beyond beautiful it is it is lyrical and it is beautiful but the metaphors that you use pull so succinctly to people who are food people and that's why i think this is such a it's a food book but it's so much more than that and that's actually where the book started because um her doctor started talking in food metaphors right away. This cabbage-sized tumor and the chemotherapy infusions. And, and she had a port. And she had a port and chemotherapy cocktails. And I was like, no, 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 yeah. no. Food is good. <laughs> yes. Food is a good thing. Let's not turn this Let's, into... <laughs> I mean, I I write nonfiction. I've read Susan Sontag. I know the war metaphors of cancer. Yeah. And so I was completely unfamiliar with these food metaphors. And so that's the friction where this book started because this was not a thing that was okay. Yeah. And we're we're talking with Karen Babine, all the wild hungers is the book. Um, There was a part that I, your rage just, (laughs) I felt it where when you have a port, cause I had cancer too. And when you have a port, you're supposed to like cover your port Mm -hmm. with either like, basically they tell you to put plastic wrap on it. Yep. And you're just, and it's like so ridiculous that you're walking around this press and seal on this port and at the same time, just your like complete anger at uh, cancer and at the system and having an older parent that has cancer, like our parents do not question doctors. They don't. No. They are like the doctors are the experts and you just sit there and you absorb everything they're telling you and you do what they say. Right. And you were like, no, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I this- want her to have the best possible yes. 
you know, medical rep, not not something that comes out of my drawer. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just and they're like, well, you know, this and that. And you were just like, no, it doesn't like you were mad. You wanted them to her to question it. And she was like, we're peaceful. Like We're, <laughs> we're peaceful at peace people. with what's happening here. We're 65 years old. Yep. We're not questioning in the same way that you're questioning. I really resonated with that because I think just having cancer, like my husband was a real questioner and I was like, I don't know. The doctor said to do this. He's like, well, we're not just doing these things because the doctors say to do it. It's a complicated question because it became this moment where if they couldn't trust what the doctors were saying in this thing that it was true that Mayo didn't know what to do with it and the University of Minnesota didn't know what to do with it. Like the consequences of not knowing was really incomprehensible. Yeah. And so there was there was so much that I really ended up doing in this book to try to counteract that unknowing, whether it was trying to cook through it uh, or to find something that my mom could eat um, or going through different kinds of philosophies to figure out how they worked towards knowing whether it was philosophy or religion or, you know, any of those things. Because uh, there are a zillion ways to to know things. Though, I I mean, one of the best, and this was on your thing, but one of the best quotes, I love this, can we consume knowing? Yeah. Can we waste away without it? And there's something about that with this hunger for knowledge and meaning. And it's really meaning in my life is what I think about it in that way of knowing is mm-hmm. is understanding. And especially in these times, and that's, you know, with the food and the philosophies and everything all together is just. And when you described in like a page and a half, maybe two pages of seasoning a cast iron pan. Oh, yeah. And yeah. like the. Which I'm still not good at. So but I the don't like claim routine of it, yep. the comfort of it, the yep. necessity of it, yep. the that like that is that, you know, you do this. This is why you do it. And the feeling of knowing those routines and how that gives you comfort. Like. Ah, I was just like, I was like, I love the yes. science behind all of that stuff too, yes. which is one of the things that I was really excited by as I started to get further into this cooking is that there's literal brain science behind liking to cook. Yes. And there's, you know, I forget which one is which, which triggers serotonin, which triggers dopamine in the cooking and then the giving it to somebody. Like it triggers all the happy brain chemicals, which was really cool. Um, and helps to explain why we want to like cook for why. people. I yeah, like the why. It is. It is a nurturing thing. Yeah, you mm-hmm. do like the why. And especially when in times of, you know, chaos. Mm-hmm. I, and I love that this sort of nails it down is like you need to have something concrete and you yeah. need to find a path. And if it can nourish while you're on that path. Mm-hmm. And I mean, cooking is a thing you can do and it produces and there's an outcome and you know it. And sometimes you set off the smoke alarm. Sometimes and those do. things don't get posted. To Instagram and that now. happens in your life, too. Right. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. you set off the smoke alarm yeah. and you're yeah. just like. No, yep. yeah. this yeah. is not happening to me today. Or there was the there's the moment in the book where I had found this um, very old Plapana, um pancake pan. Yeah. And I just started to understand how, you know, what temperature it needed to be like yep. making pancakes. But that was wonderful. And then I set it on the, the burner to burn, you know, to get the water off it. And, and then all of a sudden there was this giant explosion of sound and. <laughs> Couldn't figure out where it had come from and finally realized I'd cracked the pan. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh. Oh. Darn it. Shoot. That happens. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, hate when that I mean, happens. it was a moment where, yeah, I could understand all of this, and then I could destroy the thing that I thought was indestructible. Right. So. Oh, gosh. So and, now, are you doing any book events coming up, or do you have any readings? I have a reading at uh, the Hamlin Midway Library on February 27th. I think it's at 7 o'clock. Okay. And we can buy your book online. We yes, can buy. Ma'am. We're going to put a little link up on the, uh, on the I Facebook. I bought it at Open Book. Yep, it's at Open Book as well, if you have And I think that there. there are some signed copies left over from the launch on Thursday. Okay. So. Excellent. Well, it Karen, was an excellent book. Oh, thank, thank you. you so much for joining us. And you guys, this is a wonderful gift for anybody who's gone through, you know, uh, a life with cancer or people who, you know, any of your foodist friends. Really, it's a it's so beautifully written and it's such a heartfelt thing. It's just it's a delicious book. All thank the world you. hungers. All the world hungers. We'll be right back. Well, friends, it's, it's come time to get to the moral of the story of our two hour weekly dish program. The program program uh we are here that was really this book that karen wrote is uh just really a great book yeah karen babine we Bay both Bine. loved it babine babine yeah babine babine uh, yeah just really great all and the wild hungers yeah i mean really a good get and and it's a beautiful reading it's not ter- i mean like you're not gonna sob your way through it no it's just beautiful but, but there are like i don't know and i i what's interesting to me about the book steph was because i had cancer and because my mom died from cancer I felt like I was having this very personal experience. But then when I talked to you, you were also having that personal experience, having not had cancer and having not lost your mom to cancer. Right. So it feels like a book that just is very life affirming for a lot of people. Well, I mean, and I've had friends who've gone through things and I've had, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's like I it's not like cancer hasn't touched my life. Because I haven't had it. Of course. So that's a big thing that I think you can feel. Yes. Because she doesn't have cancer. She wrote it from the perspective of someone who's adjacent. And observing. And that, to me, is so powerful. So that's how we all go through that. Yeah. yeah I love it. was great. It. And it felt like two bigger conversations, like just community and how sometimes people just feel sad. And- well, and she really touches on a lot of communities, you know, different, you know, I mean, just really that idea of food community, but also, you know, families and you know healing and nourishing yeah yeah. so really a lovely book really really good um i want to tell you about quickly a thing that i wrote and that i went to go this last week was dinner at a 14 year old's restaurant spencer (laughs) spencer venancio you guys i wrote this lovely little thing um and i'd been sitting on it for a while because well this week i went to bardo and had a 12-course tasting menu Yum. with uh, from a 14-year-old chef. And a lot of people, when I told them either before or after, I'd had some people were like, that's ridiculous, you know. And some people were like very excited. But then they, you know, found out that it was $100 for a 12-course, you know, tasting dinner. And they were throwing up there. I would never pay $100 for a 14-year-old. I would in a minute. Well, and you know, it's like, does the age really matter? Is it really no. a fourteen that bugs you? Because then, when does it when does it become okay? Is it nineteen? Is it twenty six? When? And uh, but it was really an interesting. It was a great dinner. The kid is very talented for a fourteen year old. He's putting up, and this is all his stuff. It was a you know these beautiful little tasting dishes that he is extremely interested in and excited about and learning, you know, kind of gastronomy and that artful side of it. Not just like, Hey, let me make the best burger for you. Let me put this pizza together. You know, it's that beautiful side of what does, you know, what are ingredients like calamansi? What is that? He had that. In what there. is it? It's a Japanese citrus, but you know, those kind of things, like he's very interested in this sort of leading edge of food and that's what he's interested in. And I had a couple people who were sort of very surprised by the fact that, um, 
you know, they thought that this was sort of uh, exploiting him and, and like that his parents were exploiting him or something. And what I have to tell you is this is Spencer. Like this is this is the kid. He's emailing restaurants. He emailed, you know, uh, Mike DeCamp, who was on here earlier and said, can I come stage with you at Burrow? Can I? And he does. He's been at Travail, Spoon and Stable. All the, this is all him. He wants. He's very passionate about that. And the thing that I was questioning was in my article was about like how come we don't support that? Why is that such a crazy idea for people when we think about these kids who are playing hockey? I was just gonna say we support them in sports. Yes. We support them in their uh, yeah. And, I, and think about like all the all the gifted and talented kids who are pushed into college classes, and we all we and do doing is push, project push, push. Imagi- what is that destination imagination yeah, or, or the history fair? Yeah, yep. all of these things we are like go it's go go thing. and do do and achieve. And then for this and for food, you're kind of charged like, for it. Yeah, and That's, I think that. But I mean, people... like, you have to do that to experience it. Like that's, yep. and the idea of, and funny enough with Karen talking about how there's a, there's a beautiful part of your mind that opens up when you cook and serve something. It's this, it's this thing of giving and that's what this kid is doing. And I'm like, God, let's, let's do more of that for our kids. Yeah. Let's give them that part of their brain. Instead developed. of taking and yes. yeah, all narcissistic yes, thinking like, and like you did well, you did well, you scored, you're amazing. You're so smart. How about Thank you for that beautiful dish that you gave me. What I, I I'm floored by the fact that that's not as accepted. When so. we were traveling, uh, Ellie and her girlfriend made dinner for us one night, and they were so excited. Yeah, like and so pleased to do it, you know. And we made the table all nice and fancy, and just watching her like a cooking because she's a really good cook, and b serving us and how excited she was it was it's really it's touching it is it is a and gift. it was something that she learned from me right like, that was fun too like yeah. nice like you don't think that your kids that you make an impact on them because sometimes they're jerks but at the end of the day they take all of that <laughs> and they go on and they become their own humans with it yeah well and i mean it's the idea of you know service and again this is a weird way it comes back to what we were talking about you know, with the Facebook question about your rants, your restaurant rants, and it's always a fail in service. And honestly, teaching that humility part of service is something that I've always said with the, you know, the minimum wage and the crumbling service industry, as far as, you know, kiosk ordering and all the rest, we're losing that humility part. We're losing that part that says, it's not about me. Let me give to you tonight. And there's part of those generations of kids who I feel like will never get that. And I, that makes me sad. It'll swing back. It might, but I mean, what if we, you know, we don't, we won't know what we've lost until we've lost it. So I do agree that there's something about teaching your kids and putting them into the industry and teaching them humility and teaching them to give to others. And whether that's through the restaurant and earning money and giving food or whether that's, you know, doing volunteerism and going out and working for other things. I'm just saying that it's a good thing and it's not bad. That's a good moral of the story, Stephanie. Um. What else was the was the good moral of the story today? That instant pot popcorn that because you're sauteing it does not make it pressure cooked popcorn. <laughs> right. There's that. Um, what are you going to do today? You're going to go out to the don't forget you guys, the Pioneer Press Puck Hunters, uh, the big the big party at Bad Weather Brewing today. We're going to head out there today. Uh, we've got a little birthday party later this afternoon. Um, it's, you know, the 100th anniversary of Prohibition, by the way. Wow. And Andrew Volstead, of course, the Minnesota House of Representative guy who basically helped author the bill, which I think is really funny. That's how he got famous by stopping us all from drinking. 
Um, but they're kind of celebrating the idea that prohibition is, you know, of prohibition. And Volstead House in Egan is having parties stuff all week long. Fun. And if you show up in your flapper outfit, you get a free whiskey. Because, you know, when you wear your flapper outfit when it's zero degrees, you want a free whiskey. You want just a free whiskey. You're going to need your arms. a free whiskey. <laughs> I do want to get out. There is something really important I want to make sure you guys know about. The Coastal Seafoods is having a winter garage sale. I know Fun. that sounds weird. But they are off their back dock. They're, they're deeply discounting cases of fish. And that could be, I don't know exactly what it is, if it's salmon, if it's clams, if it's what it is. Is it today only? It's today and tomorrow. Okay. Um, and what they're doing is it's off their back dock on the Minnehaha Avenue, you know, uh, you know, site. And they're also giving, they're cooking up, because they know it's cold, they're cooking up chowder. And it's, chowder. they're giving out free chowder and shrimp and sausage skewers as well. So you want to definitely head over to Coastal Seafoods if you're thinking you need some bulk fish because it's on sale. Check it out. There it is. Great show today. Okay, gang. Looking forward to next week. You can find anything we talked about at uh, the Facebook page or on our show page. We'll see you next week. Ciao, ciao.